All right, good morning, everyone. All right, it's great to, to see you all again. Um, just uh, for your information, um, Pastor Kurt is fine, but he is, he loves serving people so much that he is uh, doing photography at a wedding and he's doing the pre and all of that. So uh, that's why he is not here uh, this, this morning. So he asked me if I could uh, preach today and it did not seem uh, advantageous to just open up something different than the theme that we've been going through over the last couple weeks. So I'm going to speak um, about living as a conqueror. Um, living as a conqueror, and this is all part of the be ready theme. So this is so. Please keep in mind what you have heard over the past um, two weeks as we go through uh, the passage that we'll be looking at this uh, this this morning. Um, before I, I get into that, and I'll just you can just open open up, or you'll see uh, in a moment uh, projected Romans chapter. 8 verse beginning at verse 31 but I think um, you know timing is everything so it can hurt you or help you and so um, I'm just going to go out on a limb since I saw signs I didn't read them but I saw that there will be oh see timing is everything so babe can you confirm for me that uh, the women will have a little prayer prayer time today at 12.30 in the double classroom so women you can uh, uh, go there and um, pray along with other women, uh, and there is much to pray for, and hopefully some of this message will encourage you um, in your prayers and encourage us all in our prayers as we focus in on living as a conqueror. Um, so I'm reading from uh, Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 31, and it says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day which you have made. Thank you for the gift of life. Even more than that, thank you for the gift of eternal life, Lord. Thank you for ears to hear what your spirit has to say. Lord, thank you for eyes that recognize that Jesus is the Christ. Thank you for your spirit, Lord, which enables us to live in a manner that pleases you, to walk in a manner that is worthy of the gospel. Father, thank you for your spirit, which will help us in our endeavor to be ready. Thank you for your spirit, which will help us to assess whether we are ready or not. And thank you for your spirit, which enables us to live as conquerors despite the trials of this world. Father, we pray that you would help us to live as conquerors, help us to endure to the end, help us not to be distracted, help us to fight the good fight of faith until we're in your presence fully and the battle is over. In Jesus' name, I ask you that you would please increase and that you would cause me to decrease. I pray that your voice will be heard, and I pray that you would do more than whatever it is I can do. Lord, I do ask you that you would help me to do what I can do, for your word says um, that without you we can do nothing. But, Lord, this is a moment in which we need to hear from you. And so we ask you to please 
speak to each heart, which is something that I'm incapable of doing. Convict, encourage. In Jesus' name I pray and thank you, Father. Amen. So if you don't know the context of this Be Ready series, it, it flows out of just, um, not, it flows out of scripture, but it also flows out of just various things that, that we've seen over the course of the last couple years, right? So we have COVID, which is something that we never heard of. You know, people were thinking that, well, I'm not going to say what people were thinking, so I won't go down the rabbit trail, but we had COVID. We have COVID, which people were getting used to. Then we have all of this extreme weather that we had. We even had in January, we've had 70-degree days. And I told y'all that, that uh, in the first sermon uh, at the beginning of the year, I told you that I, was, I, I don't like unprecedented times. So I was so happy that it was cold yesterday and that there were actually flurries in the month of January. I was like, thanking God. I was like, Lord, thank you for something that's regular, something that's normal. <laughs> because when a windstorm, when <laughs> we're not used to them, knocks trees onto houses, I'm just wondering what the Lord is doing. And then because of that wonderment, and because I was reading the book of, of Matthew and came across, you know, Matthew 24, where it talks about where, you know, Jesus is exiting the temple with his disciples. And they're like, oh, look at how this, the, the temple looks. Look, at this, it's wonderful. And Jesus tells them, like, you know, hey, it's going to come a time when there's not one stone on another. So they, they ask him a question and he begins about when will this be? And so he begins to toggle between when the temple will be destroyed, what that will be like, um, uh, and uh, a few other things, including like when, what the sign of his coming would be. So in the signs of his coming, there were many things that just are abnormal happening. There are ecological signs. There are people who are saying that they are Christ and they are not. Well, they're doing that now. Right? <laughs> there are ecological signs. So it doesn't, many people have sought erroneously to be able to predict and to foretell when Jesus is coming. Many have set dates. All right, Jesus is coming back at this time. And people have believed them. They have sold their homes. They have quit their jobs. They have done things, and they have been left hanging because Jesus said that no one knows the day or the hour, not an angel in heaven, not even the Son himself. So he lets us know that there will be signs, but he doesn't let us know what time. So he tells us to be ready. Be ready. Not get ready. Be ready. If you're not ready, hey, man, we're still here so you can get ready. But he tells us to be ready. So that was the, that was the, I wanted to impose on us a sense of urgency to be ready. So Pastor Kurt followed that up and part of, Part of uh, what he focused in on is what it meant to be a conqueror. And I just want to drill down in, into that a little bit more uh, this, this morning. And my, my motive, the whole point of this is just to help us to live as conquerors. And while that may seem like it is something that is just a foregone conclusion, that's exactly the attitude that I'm coming against. It is not a foregone conclusion. It is, but it's not. All right, so um, I, I, I don't know if uh, we have any football fans. I know we have a few. I do know we have a few football fans in here. Some of them be trying to start stuff, too, you know, because I was, I was worshiping the Lord. You know, I'm worshiping the Lord, and I feel somebody touched me, which is already like, you know, I'd be like, Jesus, who touched me? But I don't have the same attitude as him. Man, who touched me, right? So they touched me while I was worshiping, and I turn around, and I see somebody with a big star on their hat. You know, they have, a, a, you know, they have like a, 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 a little thing under their coat. I could see that that's also a Dallas. It represents And I'm like, man, okay, yeah, they play today, man. Okay, man, all right. I feel you. I know you're not just saying hi, brother. I'm glad to see you. It's like, hey, my team's in the playoffs, and your team is with you watching. Um, uh, they didn't say that. That's, that's my interpretation. My, that, that's my conclusion. Don't be like me. Don't be like me. I ask questions. I ask questions. Um, so I also saw somebody with a Ravens jersey on. I know we had some, some fans in here, right? Um, so I know some people saw Super Bowl 51. 
Super Bowl 51 was a contest between um, the, the Atlanta Falcons and the New England Patriots. People are laughing because something historic happened in that particular Super Bowl. Uh, at the halftime, New England was down to Atlanta 28 to 3. New England came back and won the game 34 to 28. The Falcons did not know how to play with a lead. They didn't know how to play as conquerors. They were conquering, man. If you saw that game, they were like, I was like, oh, good. Tom Brady about to get his head busted. No, he's getting his head busted right now. Yes. But by the time that joint was over, yeah, I'm sorry, I had to throw slang on this. I was like, Tom Brady is the greatest. <laughs> I had to. I mean, I could, who could not, you have to respect of a game of that magnitude, 28 to 3, it should be over. These are the champions of their respective uh, conferences, and so you expect that team to be able to play with the lead. They have the lead. The game is in hand, and they should be able to close the game out, but they were not able. Believer, the, the game is in hand for us, so I don't want you to, like, question whether or not that is true. The game is in hand. Jesus Christ has gone to, well, he didn't go to the cross first. First, he took on uh, humanity. He took on flesh and became like us, lived a life that pleased God all the time, and then died a death that he did not deserve. He died a criminal's death for us. And anybody could say they did that, but he came back the third day after he was buried. So he showed that God received his sacrifice and that therefore all who put their trust in him, he's died for them, suffered the consequences that they ought to have suffered, and he gives them the life that they don't deserve. So that when they stand before God, when we stand before God, we're not standing on the merits of what Mike has done, but we're standing on the merits of what Christ has done. So the game is, is already in hand. It's, all, it's over, really. Really, it's, it's, it's really like this. It's really like, again, sports. In sports, you know, sometimes they're just, they're, they're games where, like, there's time that is, that, like, it's already a blowout, but there's still time on the clock. And oftentimes, you know what? What happens when there's time on the clock and it's, it's a blowout and it's, like, everybody know that it's over. Every, everyone knows. The opposers know. Uh, uh, the home team knows. Um, the team that's winning knows. The team that's not winning, they know. So everybody puts in their reserves to just, like, you know, let the time go by. Don't want to hurt their, you know, get rest up for the next game and whatnot, right? That's in athletics. Where we live as believers, there are no reserves to put in. We have to know how to play with the lead of what Christ has done for us. We have to know how not to give that lead up. So why am I saying that, that it's, already, it's already done for us? Why am I saying that the game is at hand? I've already like, described it with my own words. But if we look back at the passage, just look at the language. Just look at the, the definitive language. What shall we say to these things? To, all of, to, to, to the reality that, that all things work together for the good for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose, uh, to the reality that there's going to be suffering, to the reality that there's no condemnation in Christ. Like, what do we say to all of these things that precede these verses? Our conclusion should be that if God is for us, no one can be against us. Our conclusion should be that if God did not spare his son, um, but gave his son up for us all, then we um, should be confident that he will give us um, all things, that he will graciously give us all things, that his disposition toward us is one of, of, of love and one of kindness and one of proactive love. 
And if that is true, then who can bring anything to, who can charge us with anything? The implication is that no one can. Why? Because it is God who justifies. Who is it who condemns? Verse 34. Remember, Christ died for us. And not only did he die for us, but he's at the right hand of God and he's interceding for us. He's interceding for us because there is a need to conquer. There is a need. There's a need to, 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 to conquer because um, to, to, to be a conqueror, as you know, is to be a person who conquers. Yeah, you're supposed to laugh at that because it's okay. I think like, hey, hey, yeah, yeah, good, good, good. Yeah, like, that's a light on cue. One, two, three. Ha, ha. Yeah, okay, right. <laughs> if you were here last week, you know why, why they're laughing, right? So, so. <laughs> or a person who vanquishes. The, the, the conqueror is a victor, and conquering happens in the midst of, of turmoil. It happens in the midst of, of opposition. It happens in the midst of challenge. So it's not just somebody giving you something. It's like you have to take it. So while Christ has given us something, we know we have an enemy and even our own flesh can want to take what Christ has done and just use it for our own purposes. So I do want to say what I don't mean by conquering. I do not mean by conquering that you have, that all of us are riding around in Rolls Royces or Benzes or that we all live in mansions. Obviously, in this church, we know that's not, that's, that's, that's what we, that's how we roll. That's, we, we know that. But I just, for the sake of anyone who may be visiting or hasn't heard or sees us via live stream and, and just doesn't know, we're not saying that we have the best of everything that this world can offer. But we do have the best of what the next world offers because we have Christ. So we have everything that we need, even in this world, for life and godliness right now because he's given it to us. But if we're honest, and I'm the first in line, that there are some ways, as Pastor Kurt says, that we presume upon the grace of God. And I'm not so much, I mean, even though I will allude to like active sinning, I'm not so much even talking about active sinning. I, I, I'm talking about being more reactive than proactive. That's a presumption on some part. And I'll show you something that Jesus said that I hope, uh, it, it, you know, hopes, hope uh, helps that. Uh, excuse me, let me slow down. I'm not like talking all over myself. But I, I hope to show you something from what Jesus said that impresses that upon all of our minds. We still have the need to conquer and look at what verse 36, 35 says. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Okay, so the obvious answer is no one. It's not a trick question. But then the passage, just so we can understand the context in which we are, because it's not a, conf it's not a context that is without conflict. There is tribulation. There is distress. There will be persecution. There is some level of persecution. There is famine. There is nakedness. There is danger. There is the sword. There is all of these things that the world uh, projects its hatred of Christ through their actions onto his people. And while we may not experience all of that, we would be fools not to prepare for all of it. Yeah. Just because we don't see it clearly now, it's always possible. So it's better to be prepared than not prepared for those type of things. It's better to have your mind made up now because you will not be able to make up your mind then because your mind will have been made up through your actions now. So there are things that are coming against the believers, as, as a matter of fact, so much so that Paul says in verse 36, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. That's found in uh, Psalm chapter 44, verses, verse 22. And that psalm is like a complaint <laughs> to God about like, hey, Lord, like we need you to, we need you to do something like we're 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 being we're being uh, we're being roughshodded right now. We're being like 
run over right now. We need you, please, to do something. So Paul takes that mentality and imports it into uh, the life of the believer and says, for your sake, he's going back to the Old Testament, we, we can feel like this, that, that, that we're being killed all the day long, that we're regarded as sheep for the slaughter. But Paul says in light of what awaits us in eternity and what we've already, what we've already received and embraced as believers in Christ, he is saying that in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So that's what he's saying. So how should we do it? I would say the very first thing that the believer should do, the very first thing we should actively set, uh, Colossians 3 tells us that if we've been raised with Christ, we should seek those things which are above where Christ is. He's seated at the right hand of God. It tells us to set our minds on things above. Colossians 3 is one of my favorite passages. And to set is, is just when I came up here, and I put this down, I set my Chromebook onto this podium. So there can be, a, 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 you, you can think of setting your mind as putting your mind on the things that are above where Christ is. So, that's, so it's not that your mind, even as the believer, remember, Colossians 3 is written to the believer. So even as believers, there's going to be a necessity for us to set our minds on things above. It's not like our minds are always going to be on things above. So I did mention in, 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 the, in the first message of the series that, 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 that it's hard to live in a perpetual state of readiness. Like, what is that? Like, if you've seen the movie, uh, I think it's a, a movie called Hoodwinked from back in the day. They, they, they was this little, there was this little squirrel on that joint in there. The squirrel was just off the hook. The squirrel is like a squirrel like that we see, which are already erratic and whatnot. But like he has some 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 kind of uh, uh, coffee on steroids. And so he's just all over the place, all over the time. So it's, it's hard to stay in a state of perpetual readiness. Just like, all right, I'm ready. You know, I, I was talking with. <laughs> this is what it's like to stay in a state of perpetual readiness. So uh, I don't know if you, everybody, you may not know Ray Rowland, but he, he is a retired uh, Marine and uh, he's uh, actually seen combat in Vietnam. And uh, so he, he was articulating yesterday um, how when he first got, when he got married, the exit to their, their, their room was like my hand. And he's, so there's no exit, excuse me. So he's kind of like in the corner, like is where his bed is. And so there was an explosion in his somewhere outside. He was asleep. It happened when he was asleep. He was sleeping like behind his wife, Linda. He heard the explosion. From the, this brother leaps over his wife, gets on the floor like in a in in push-up position, looks and see what's going on, and then he leaves out. And then when he comes back, he found out everything was okay. Something happened outside. This his wife was a new, a, a new wife. She was new to all of this. So he said when he got back, she was just in the corner, like cowering, like in the fetal position, like, what did you just do? That's not what normal people do, right? You don't, like, you don't just, people don't just turn into Wolverine just from a sound, right? They don't just like, they don't, they, they, they don't do that. You can't, you cannot do that because you're not Wolverine. That's make-believe, right? That's made up, right? But this is a real person who did all that, and it's like, what, 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 what was that? Well, that brother was in a state of perpetual readiness. As soon as you hear, because he's had to live that way for years because he was in a combat situation. We aren't in that. Stuff happens more subtly. The fiery darts of the enemy probably are like thoughts that come our way that say we should do this or not do that. So we don't see that. Boom! No, we don't see it that way. But that is what we're living in. But it's difficult to stay in a state of perpetual readiness because our temptations, our, 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 I won't call it a desire, but our, our, our habit of being reactive, it happens in the course of life. 
right? So you are, you got up this morning. You've been getting up for how, I mean, for me, I don't know how many days it's been I've gotten up. Okay, it's 54 years now. You, I mean, I'm not, I can add, subtract, multiply, and divide. That's about all I can do is, with math. But when you start giving like double and triple digits, I, I'm not doing that in my head. I need to write it down. So however many days that is, I've gotten up every day. So every day starts off as the day. 9-11 started off as the day, right? Even though we're still here, like it started off as normal as any other day. But by the time it was over, the impact was felt by everyone in this country and around the world. But it's hard to stay in a state of perpetual readiness. It's difficult. It's probably, I would say, it's probably not even sustainable at that level. And that's why I want to talk about after I finish my point. <laughs> I want to talk about the proactivity, but one of the ways in which we need to be proactive is cultivating. It's one, understanding and then cultivating an appreciation for what Christ has done for us. We can't ever just get count that as like a, no, I, don't, I don't care how many days we've been with the Lord. We need to make sure that we're doing something to cultivate an awareness that, you know what, this day I'm trying to live it for the Lord. I'm grateful for what Christ has done for me. Now, if you need to, if you need help with that, I would say you start by even this week, every day, just reading the passage we just that we've that we've been focused on. So you can remember like what God has done for you in Christ. And then there are other passages, even coming to mind right now, it's like 2 Corinthians 5 17. That, that, if, that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Galatians 2.20 is another one that would be good for you to, to, to just, just marinate your mind in so that whatever the effect of that marination is intended to have by God, that it's having on you, even if you don't realize that it's having that effect. The effect should be, though, that I'm aware of what Christ has done for me. I'm appreciative of what Christ has done for me, that I belong to God. And he belongs to me because he is my God. He is my father. I am his son. I am his daughter. Well, you are his daughter. But I believe all of the proactivity has to be centered around Christ. And so that's why we have to set our minds on what Christ has done for us. And in seeing what Christ has done for us, then we have to, then we should recognize that we have been sanctified. That is a word that Pastor Kurt used or some form of it, um, last week. Um, and what that means, what being sanctified means, it means to be set apart for something, but also to be set apart from some things. So it's both and. It's not either or. It's, um, it's, 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 sort of, uh, it's sort of like is what it is. Like, okay, this is your position, but then there's also here's some functionality to it. Okay, so because we and how do we know we're, we're, we're sanctified? How do we know we're set apart? We know we're set apart because Ephesians chapter one lets us know that it was in love that God predestined us to be in him before the foundation of the world. Right. So so these are things that that can help us to remember the, the depth of God's love for us and hopefully appreciate it as well. OK, so we're set apart for God. So, OK, all right. We, we are in. The Lord, we understand that. Um, one thing we should understand with that as well is like in a functional sense, um, as it relates to sin, the scriptures let us know that we are to be taking off those things which believers should not do or that people do that will not inherit the kingdom of God. And we should be putting on those things that God tells us that we should do. So I'm not going to go to the to the. Uh, I didn't have this, so it may not be up there, but, but Galatians 5, uh, 5, uh, 19 through 21, 
it gives us a list, and there are many, there are a few lists in the New Testament that says, you know what, if you do these things, you won't inherit God's kingdom. Okay, those are the things that we have to put off. So even an outburst of anger is something that has to be put off. Division has to be put off. And then in other places, okay, drunkenness has to be put off. Sexual morality has to be put off. Okay, there are many things that have to be put off, but then the scriptures also let us know usually like right behind those, but we're to put on. So we're not just walking around spiritually naked, right? We've taken some things off, but we need to put some things on. We need to put on some love. We need to put on some kindness. We need to put on some self-control. Those are things that we have to put on. So being sanctified has this element, first of all, being set apart for something and being set apart from. A good, um, a, a good illustration of this is marriage. You're set apart for your spouse. You're set apart from everybody else. Right. And functionally, when we're talking about practicing sanctification, we take off the things that God says, uh uh-uh, and we put on the things that God says, hey, that looks like me. So I want to talk about uh, uh, the the art of proactivity or the skill. Let's say it's called the skill, the skill. And I say skill intentionally because it is something that can be should be developed. It is not something that's going to, we've heard Pastor Kurt talk about this, how we often want, I want this. <laughs> we often want, like, the spirit to come upon us in such a way that it's just like, boom, and now we just love everybody. <laughs> or boom, and now we just say the words out of our mouth are right all the time <laughs> without thinking. We just want that, that holy zap that just changes everything in an instant and forever. Mm-hmm. And while there's an element of that positionally, functionally, the skill of being proactive has to be embraced so that we don't, we do not neglect, as Pastor Kurt mentioned last week. So the skill of proactivity, and sometimes it's not, it doesn't even, it's not always obvious. This is the, this is the thing that I think is, is one thing that's like really in the back of my mind. It is not always obvious. So if we take a child. If we take a child from birth, so we're already skipping like a lot of time, you know, nine months because it's from birth. Okay, so the child has their infancy, they have toddlerhood, preschool years, early school, they're adolescent, uh, young adult, middle, late adult. They go into eternity. Along the way, there are just things that we do that we don't even give second thought to that's positioning us for the next phase. So the first one and probably the most, the, the, the most vivid uh, example is eating. Is eating. We don't think that we're eating. Oh, yeah, man, I'm about to. I mean, if you want them to, when I was younger, when they wanted you to eat spinach or something you didn't like, it's like, hey, this will make you strong. It'll make you big and strong. But, but I, don't, I don't know that I, I mean, I, I'm not raising kids anymore now. Um, but, but, but I'm not sure what you tell your children, but you want them to eat. You know it positions them to grow, right? You know that you may not, you're not in there, you, you don't have an MRI or anything looking at how they're growing, but you know they need to eat. So you feed them. You encourage them to eat. You prepare dinner for them or you buy dinner. Whatever you do, you make sure your children eat. Why? Because if they don't eat, they will not move to the next phase of what it means to be a human being. They won't make it to toddlerhood. They won't make it to be uh, an adolescent. They won't make it to be um, an old person. They won't do it. If they stop eating, even when you're older, and even if you have something where you cannot eat, we still find a way to make sure that the nutrients that can sustain life get to people, whether that's in short, whatever it is. We, We know that is necessary. But we don't really make a big deal out of it, except for if my wife makes macaroni and cheese or if there's uh, Thanksgiving or, or something like that. You know, if there's a feast of some kind, it's, but normally it's just like, yeah, man, I'm, you know, yeah, I'm taking lunch right now. Um, you know, and some people I, I've never had to eat like this, thanks to my wife, you know, but some people, you know, survive on cheese sandwiches for lunch. Um, and they, that's good for them, but man, I need that that full. I probably need to eat the cheese sandwich for real. I'm, I'm just uh, the Lord dealing with me right now, so or some kind of sandwich. But we may do things. We do.
things that we do not see the immediate benefit of, but that has long-term benefit for us. Being proactive means we're going to do the things that are natural for believers to do to grow. Whether we see the immediate benefit or not, we're going to trust God that there's some benefit even if we cannot recognize it. So I could not look at myself in the mirror and see myself grow, but I did notice that there were some people I got taller than, especially girls. At some point around about uh, ninth grade, all them girls who was taller than me in elementary school and middle school, you come back from over the summer and it's like, I, I don't. <laughs> I'm tall now, you know what I'm saying? Well, at least I'm taller than you. <laughs> yeah, that's right, you know. And I got a little bit of something right here. That's, you know, I got, because I ate my food. <laughs> but you, you, you can't see that. You can't, you can't, like, make it happen, right? It just, it seems to be organic. It seems to be natural. It seems to be boom. But you see the effects. If we're not proactive in the Lord, we will see the effects. Most of us already have seen the effect. I know I have seen the effects of not being proactive in the Lord. I've seen my heart cold towards certain things. I've seen the, the words coming out of my mouth. Oh, did I just say that? I just said that. I'm, and I'm not talking about like cussing somebody else. I'm just saying like, man, that was insensitive. That was harsh. That wasn't necessary. The effect of not having our hearts warmed by the presence of God will show. It'll show towards our children, show towards our spouse, show towards our coworkers, show in our own hearts even when other people are trying to figure out whether that was, I don't know what that meant. Even when they are there, the effect of not being proactive, we're feeling it. In 2 Samuel, Pastor Sigfredo uh, uh, Hernandez, he shared a little bit about this when he was here with us. But I want to show you a negative impact of not being proactive. Um, and unfortunately, my I think my version, that okay, I'll read the version that comes up here. 2 Samuel uh, chapter 11, uh, beginning at verse 1, verses 1 through 3, it's talking about... Um, it's talking about King David. So in the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. So, so no, don't switch it yet. Don't switch it yet. Switch it back. So, so, okay, so what time of year was it? Springtime. springtime. And then there was another time it was. It was spring and then what? Who, who, huh? Oh, kings go to battle. Who was David? But David, who was a king, sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel to do the battling. David was supposed to be there because he was the king. But he instead remained at Jerusalem. So he depended, he, was, he wasn't proactive at all. He was uh, chilling. So now we go to the next, to the, to the next, verse 2. It happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful. Next. And David sent and inquired about the woman. And one said, is this not? <laughs> oh, you see somebody trying to help David right here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Somebody. Somebody reminded David, hey, man, hey, don't you know that's uh, such and such wife right there, man? Hey, it's like, <laughs> so it's not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. So, um, David. If you, if, if you, so, so one of the things I like to do is if I see like a pattern in my life that um, I need to go after is I like to try to deconstruct like what happened. If we deconstruct this, it goes all the way back to verse one. 
and that's not really long in this, this account. This is, this is three. But, but in verse one, it just let us know the context. That David was supposed to be at war. He wasn't supposed to be even be on the rooftop. He was supposed to be with Joab, his servants, and all of Israel. But he wasn't. He, was, he, didn't, he didn't recognize, he didn't see the need to go with them. Joab is, I mean, if you have read those, uh, you know, Second uh, Samuel, if you read about, you know, just, you'll see Joab's name prominently. He's no slouch. I mean, he's, he, you wouldn't want to be on his bad side. <laughs> so Joab is capable. He's capable. But Joab is not David. David is David. And David is supposed to be the one who's going out to battle, yes, along with Joab, but he's supposed to be there. He's not supposed to be in Jerusalem. Now, our, 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 our lack of proactivity doesn't look, hopefully doesn't look like that. But we probably cannot ignore the reality that, you know what? We can realize and we recognize that we are reactive as well. My brothers and sisters, please be proactive. And being proactive is not, it's not, um, it's not superhuman. It's just like the, it's like eating. It is, it's, it's, it's what David is going, like he, remember when he just wanted to go to battle? Remember he was supposed to take some food to his brothers and then he hears that Goliath is, and he's like, who is that? The, the, the soldiers are afraid, but David's like, who is that who's, who's mouthing off against the Lord's army? Right? He's like itching to get in the battle. But now things have changed. He's the king now. He's King David. He's not the little shepherd boy David. So he's not, you know what, Joab, man, you could take um, uh, the Ammonites, man, Robert. You, you got that. You got that. But David was supposed to be there. We get used to, remember when you would have to get in God's word every day. You wanted to, man, you had not just his word. You might have had a concordance with it, a Bible dictionary. I mean, you know, that's old people. So you might have had your, you might have had your device out along, or like a couple of devices out, right? And you're looking stuff up and you're, texting questions to people, or you're calling somebody. Um, do you remember, do you remember when, when, when you'd be like, man, oh, that happened, man, you know, I'm going to pray for you. You know, let me pray for you right now. Because I know God can fix this thing. Do, do you remember? I'm sure David remembered, but his memory didn't serve him. And that's what we need to protect against. Our memories at times do not serve us because we can think because we've read God's word or because we know God's word very well. We can think that we have it all down, that we know enough about it. We know that we do know the general story. If you've been walking with the Lord for a while, I'll keep it real. You do know what the Bible says for the most part. You know. But are you proactively submitting yourself to the Lord? For the Lord to speak to you through his word. That's what proactivity is. I know there have been times when I, <laughs> there have been times when I started with, with Matthew after I haven't read God's word for a while. And I've been astounded that some kind of way the genealogies blessed me. I know. <laughs> so what I attribute that to is that there is more than just information in God's word, that when you read God's word, you're interacting with God, and he's interacting with you. And yes, this is just a gene genealogy. That would probably would be the case if I had been reading my Bible the whole time. Oh, man, maybe I'll skip over this. But no, at that point in time, like, it was like, Lord, I just need something, so I'm going to start from the beginning. I'm going to and I read, and it's like, okay, I got tired, and I was sleepy. Okay, it's time to go to sleep. All right, I went to sleep, but then I wake up, and it's like the things of the Lord greet me greet my mind at that point in time. And it's like, wow, Lord, from reading genealogies. So it's about more than 
the information because we are interacting with a real being. It's not just he sent something and that's it. No, he's, he, he works. He's active in it, right? Uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, he's, he's active in it. He's moving in his word and through his word. And so when we submit to his word, we are submitting to him and to his voice. My brothers and sisters, let us not forget Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, where Paul makes an appeal to us in light of the mercies of God to present our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. Because if we do not perform this spiritual act of worship, more than likely, we're going to be conformed to this world. Because we didn't renew our mind. Renewing is necessary. Your mind's been made new. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Okay, it's been made new. But you have to renew it. Like your license. <laughs> you know, like your registration. You have, to, you have to renew or else the pollution of this world will, will, will squeeze out. Mark chapter 4 will squeeze out the effect of the word. Now, the need to be proactive, and I told you I was going to show you this, but I just got off, um, uh, off course here a little bit. But he, so we see what David did, but listen to what Jesus says to his disciples in Matthew 26, four, verses 40 and 41. So he came to his disciples. This is when he's in the garden, right? He's in the garden before he's about to be betrayed, and he knows his hour is near. And so he's there, and he brings... Uh, Peter, James, and John with him from the other disciples, and then he goes away from them, but he, he says something. So uh, it says he came to his disciples and found them sleeping. He had told them to, he had told them something that we were about to read, and he said to Peter, so could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. He told them earlier to watch and pray that they may not enter into temptation. He told them that. He said, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. That dynamic that was there for them, that reality, is also here for us. The spirit might be willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus doesn't tell them to watch and pray in the midst of temptation, he tells them to watch and pray before the temptation comes. He says, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. When we do the things that, that we know we're supposed to do in terms of being proactive toward the Lord, we don't know. And I've said this a few times, but I, I just want to impress it. We don't know the effect. We don't see like, okay, yeah, I'm growing. Or we don't see like the negative effect. But there is an effect. And Jesus knew this, and so he tells them, watch as well as pray so that... Not just to have something to do, but so that you do not enter into temptation. He says the same thing to us. There's a lesson there for us. We're to watch and pray. We're to do the things that have been done historically, reading God's word, praying, even witnessing to people, um, uh, having fellowship with the saints. Those are things that help us spiritually to, to, to get our nutrients spiritually so that we can walk in this world, not just untainted from the world because we're not here just to be that but we're here to advance God's kingdom and that's a that's a facet of being a believer that we can we can get away from as as American believers the the need to evangelize that is part of what it means to be a believer to advance the kingdom of God and so you do I'm going to ask you to think about the last time you thought the last time you even thought about witnessing to someone and then when was the last time you witnessed to someone? Okay, and if you didn't witness to them, okay, I'm going to make it easy for you because I think it's easier for you. So, okay, uh, there, there are levels of witness, right? At least this is the way I see it. There are levels of witness. There are witness where you can just, like, just sprinkle a little something in there. Sprinkle a little salt. Boom. Little my man, my man on the... You sprinkle a little bit. You can, you can do that, right? And then there are times where you... You have the opportunity to share the whole gospel. Are you looking for opportunity to share whatever you can share about the Lord? Am I 
looking for opportunity to share whatever I can share. I may not be able to share the whole gospel with my waiter or waitress. I won't because I eat slow. I'm one of the slowest people you eat. So it will be around. You'll eat around. So I can't talk and do it. But, but I can ask a few questions that position for, more, for as much conversation as they want. So last time Pastor Curtin and I went out, our waiter, I can't remember his name, it began with a D. His, his grandmother, who he had just lost a month ago, that day was her birthday. And so we, we told him we'd pray for him. We did pray for him when we blessed our food, but we asked him how we could pray for him. That's, and when you're out, especially if you go to the same place, that's something you can do and everybody will know you, see who you are and all that stuff and know what you're about. So that's, that's just an easy thing. That's just a... Just think about it. You come up with your own ways, but that's just something, something that we do. Because I do because I want to make sure if I'm aware of what Christ has done for me, if I'm aware of what awaits people in eternity, and if I'm concerned about that reality, if I'm convinced that it's, for those of you who may have watched the post that Pastor Kurt put in the, in the app um, about this guy who had, he had like a story to tell about hell, um, if, if that's in any way, shape, or form, if there's any truth to that, forget him. If there's any truth to what Scripture has to say, we should be concerned about people's spiritual well-being. And that doesn't mean that we, like, trying to headlock them and drag them to the Lord. I, don't, I wouldn't respond to that. But it does mean that I, I, I'm praying for, like, an open door to just, like, like get my foot in the door and maybe just just say a little bit, Amen. Yeah, God bless. You. If that, all I can say is God bless you, the category of God is out there, right? So I'm not saying like you gotta be, you know, I'm not saying more than that. I'm saying at least that, and I'm saying more as opportunity allows. The things that believers have done over the years, we've already uh, mentioned them, uh, but I will tell you that if you want to see like a nice visual of what it means. To be a believer, and it's a nice, simple visual. Uh, the Navigators, I'm sure you've heard of them. They just had this nice little thing that was out like when I was in the military. That means I was a teenager, 18, 19, you know. Um, they had this will to help people remember like what it means to be a believer. The will on the outer, uh, on the tire of it, it says the obedient Christian up top, and at the bottom it says in action. The middle from which the spokes come out, says Christ. So Christ is the hub. And then the spokes, they're only four spokes. So it's not real complicated. And those spokes are the word, prayer, fellowship, and witness. Those are very basic things. Very basic. If, if we would be proactive in those, I think if we could do that, I was going to say, oh, yeah, but I'm not going to do that to you right off the break. But if you could do that for the, for, for the first quarter of this year, just focus on those things, just doing, trying to do all of those every day, or at least one of them every day. I'll, I'll make it real easy for you. And then if you could, I'm sorry, let me back up. If you can commit to do one of those things every day, if you look up the uh, navigator wheel, you'll find it. Um, you commit to do one of those things every day. You find someone to tell, hey, I committed to do one of those things every day for this, for this first quarter. I want to let you know I did it or pray for me because I ain't do it. But I want to resume it. And then I would like for you to evaluate what impact that's had on you the first quarter of the year. And if it's had positive impact on you, which I'm sure that it will, then commit to do it for the next quarter. And then try to do the entire year and see what at the end of 2023 you feel, how you feel you've grown. That's what I want us to do. Um, that's what I think would serve us is to just do the basics. Don't try to be super, no, just the basics, man. Read some of God's word. Read a, cha a chapter is not, a chapter a day is not a lot, right? But, but if you can read it, meditate on it, read it at the beginning, think about what you, think about what you can remember like sometime in the middle and then read it before you go to bed, 
you'll find that the word will, will get in you. Um, and you'll be surprised at its impact. You'll be surprised at your prayer life. You'll be surprised at how easy witnessing becomes. You'll be surprised at your appetite for fellowship growing. Those are things that, yeah, we're secure in Christ. And we are. But there is an element of us being set apart to him. We have that. But now we're set apart uh, from the pollution of this world, not in a way that, in, in a way that, you know, is, is coming against the world like we're not humans, and we, like, we're, like we've been saved all our life, but in a way that just acknowledges, like, you know what, Lord, I realize I'm yours, and I'm going to do all that I can to be all that you call me to be. Because I already know that if you're for me, no one can be against me. I already know that you did not spare your own son, and you will graciously give me all things in light of that. I know that there is no one, not even Satan, the accuser of their brothers, who accuses us day and night. I know that he, he can bring a charge against me, but the effect of that charge is not going to be what he intends it to be because my life is in Christ. My life is hidden in Christ because God has justified me through Jesus Christ, his son. I'm going to know regardless of what comes my way in this world, whether it's tribulation, whether it's uh, distress, whether it's persecution, whether it's famine, whether it's nakedness, whether it's danger, whether it's sword. I know sometimes there won't be a way to get away from those things. But I know that if regardless of whether they come or not, that I'm still in the Lord. I, I, I know that I know that even if even if. For his sake, I'm killed or or uh, I watched something about Megar Evers yesterday and just saw how he lived his life on a mission and understood that it's going to cost him his life. Even if living for God costs me my life, even if this world regards us as sheep to be slaughtered, that we are still conquerors because he loves us. We're still conquerors because of him. Verse 38 rounds out chapter 8 of Romans. It says, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the game is in hand. But we're not the falcons we're God's people we can't put we have no reserves to put in so we're going to be proactive we're going to set our minds on what Christ has done for us and we're going to celebrate what he's accomplished for us and we're going to live out of the good of that and so we're going to read his word we're going to pray we're going to fellowship we're going to witness all with Christ at the center that's how we live as conquerors functionally how we live as conquerors. And so in light of that, let us pray and please band, come back up and I'll tell you which of the one, the three songs that we did that you should repeat. But Lord, we thank you so much for all that you have done for us. We thank you for making us those new creations in you. We thank you for, for giving us eyes to see as prayed earlier is to hear. We thank you for a heart that desires to please you. Lord, if anyone doesn't have that heart at all, if I'm saying if someone does not believe, if someone has, has, has knows about you but has not been walking with you, Lord, would you warm their heart right now in the name of Jesus? Would you help them to contemplate you and all you've done for them? And may your sacrifice for them not be seen as a common thing but may it be seen as something that is precious and undeserved Lord for those of us whose hearts may not be warmed because we've been negligent Father we pray in Jesus name that you would cause some of what was said to be on their minds throughout this week and for those who Thought like, you know what, I think I want to take that challenge up. Lord, I pray that you would not just motivate them, but help them to follow through. 
let someone else know. And then be accountable. Lord, thank you for all that you've secured for us. We love you. And we love you because you first loved us. Now, Lord, after we sing this song, we're going to take communion. We do know that communion is for those who have placed their faith in you and who are living a life that pleases you or striving to do so. We do it in remembrance of what you've done. We've decided to do this so that our church would always be mindful of the sacrifice that allows us to be. And so we thank you that we are the church because of Jesus. Not because we're special in and of ourselves, but because before the foundation of the world and love you chose us to be in you. So we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name. Oh, everybody, that whisper didn't work. <laughs>